0: In a part of the world where there are no rules.
1: Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit, guys. Holy I'm so pumped. I definitely have not watched this since I rented it on VHS in 92. Strangers united by the threat of death. We got all the fucking major players. Seagal. Vladimir Putin is a good man. Arnold. You're calm. Come. Give it to me. I need you to cream pie me now. Stallone. People are loving this love See, this movie. <laughs> it's, actually, it's got a
0: lot of heart. you mentally irregular. <laughs> now...
1: in town. You wake up after a few years And then you don't even know who you are anymore We're gonna be making Terminators <laughs> We're gonna make a really great deal with the Xenomorphs What? <laughs> I don't hate them, but I've been in a room <laughs> Yes, I understand This is now the 20th ending of the movie <laughs> I am dark. I'm your dad Action boys Boys will be boys Subscribe here for bonus content And more free stuff from behind the paywall To get new episodes, become a patron at ActionBoys.biz. Do it. Do it! Come on! Do it now! This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornellis is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience the objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good friend of the doughboys marissa pinson and john glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed costco's food court it's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths damn i wish i was on that episode i'd crush that enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer. $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give Fine Dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one the number one fuckboy. All you gotta do is trust me. It's me, Johnny G, the number one fuckboy, ruining my neighbor's afternoon on this lovely Friday. That's right, it's me, screaming in the middle of the day as everyone works from home. Joining me also on the High Mighty Studios, my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabriel. So Arthur, give him a shout-out. Also joining me, first-time guest, long-time social media correspondents. We are pen pals, and now we are podcast pals. Fro- you know him as Net Three Curry- Kirk, and I know him as Jason Concepcion. Put your fucking hands together, shitheads. He's here, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go.
0: Let's fucking. I this just spit has, uh, been all over so my. Mic. It's okay. Listen, it's fine. <laughs> this has been a long time in the making. I I would also like to apologize to my uh, to my neighbors who have to listen to me scream. In my office, which I think abuts a bedroom on the other side of the wall several times a week. So apologies <laughs> to them. Uh, it's great to finally uh, be here with you. Yeah, dude. Uh, it's so finally. exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you mentioned that you were from Long Island, Nessa County, I was like, well, fucking A, dude, we got to get into That's it. So. Yeah. Hempstead Turnpike in the house. Dude,
0: Tri I, County flea market in the house. Damn, dude, that's Jones where I bought Beach. Magic the
1: Gathering cards, dude. Jones Beach is that's, where I worked for five cool. summers. Field six, oh, field four.
0: I worked them. Wait, you worked, at jo- you worked at Jones? You worked at so you worked at Jones Beach. I worked at Jones Beach for four summers. Field six and four. I get mostly mostly field six and occasionally loaned out the field four and then the 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 East Bathhouse. Were you a brown shirt? Let's cut it. I was not I was like I I emptied the garbage cans and stuff and went around and cleaned shit and like picked the beach, as we said in the parlance of, of uh New York State Parks. Oh, that's wild. What what years were that was that by any chance? So that's gonna be like ninety ninety four. So it's like high school and junior high school. It's like ninety-four to ninety
1: six. Uh, okay, yeah. I was at field six from like I was at the West Bathhouse Pool in, like, yeah. 01. Uh, in 2000, I was at Hexer State Park. 01, I was at West Bathhouse Pool. oh 02, f- two through, like, 04, I was field six. And then, 05, I was field four for just one summer.
0: Fuck okay. uh, Hexer. is for the little kids. Fuck Hexer, Hecksure, man. Hexer is no, nothing. There's no action in Hexer.
1: No, that's where the rookies go, because no one wants to work yeah. there. And that's how you learn what a parkway is on Long Island, is when you <laughs> take the southern state... Yeah and the park is at the, like, you're driving on yes. a highway, I've never gone that far east on it until my first day of work at Heckshire Park, and I'm driving on the southern state, and it just pulls into a parking lot at the end, and you're like, what? This is where it goes? <laughs> Let me
0: tell you an absolutely crazy job that I had to do once, because one of my, like, captains was an absolute piece of shit. I had to take a push mower and a can of gas and mow the edge, the edge of the parkway. Because they they go out with the big riders, right, and they mow the the center of it and the and the big sides, but they miss the edge. So he's like, I want you to take this push mower and mow like five fucking miles, like crazy shit to on the ocean third turn turnaround. Yes, to the what third the fuck turnaround, do- <laughs> <laughs> to the third turnaround, cross and then come back on the other side and mow down that side.
1: Fuck that! That is so I. I love fucking Jones Beach is like, right, you're 16. Go do this. It's yeah. like Wait, what? Go, Yeah, go, go mow five miles carrying a gas can.
0: <laughs> here, I'll give you a walkie-talkie. So if you need anything, it was just like wild shit. It, it, Jones Beach,
1: <laughs> baby. Wow. Uh, here, here's, a long, here's a question I like to ask Long Islanders. How long after you got your driver's license did it take you to go down to Ocean Parkway at night and fucking pedal to the metal? That was like a big thing for us. It was like it felt so safe to drive as fast as you wanted down there at night.
0: I mean, it it is safe, as the Long Island serial killer would tell you. That's uh, <laughs> it's a great place to dump bodies. There's no one out there, and you can just absolutely <laughs> floor it down there. Uh, we I did that. I it was definitely like pretty pretty soon. So I got my uh, learners and then my driver's license in the winter. So we were out there a, like a month later.
1: Very yeah. easy. A buddy of mine beat me to having – before I had my driver's license, when I still had my learner's permit, he got his driver's license, and we took his Jetta down there and went 90 – we're like – he's legally allowed to drive for like eight days, and we went 95 <laughs> miles an hour at 9 p.m. at night down the Ocean Parkway on like – and uh, like – he would like later tell a friend, like, yeah, dude, I took this car going 95. They're like, what? Did you have people in the car? <laughs> they're like, he's like, yeah. They're like, thank God, because that car's too light to go that fast. You could like blow off the road. We were like, oh, all right.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's
1: perfect. I mean,
0: it just goes dead straight until like you run into Fire Island. There's just right. nothing happening.
1: Uh, and It was be- perfect. Being a Jones Beach lifeguard and the park police, like if they saw the whistle hanging in your thing, they knew you were running late. They'll let you drive fast. I would come down the Wanto Parkway just like I had a Buick century. My first car was an 89 Buick Century and it the speedometer only went up to 85. And I would just drive the Wanto Parkway with it rattling at 85, like just vibrating, like couldn't go any higher.
0: <laughs> mine was a mine was an eighty-eight uh Camaro. Red oh, Camaro. Shit, we got used. Dog. We got used somehow. Uh, and that would just like, when I made left turns, like it had like some kind of early computer system or whatever, like fuel injection. I don't know what the fuck it was, but it would just turn off and then I would have to like restart it. And because it was like a computer everything or whatever, like that version of a computerized system was like the steer, nothing would work. The steering, the brake, you would just be like ghost riding and I would be like, oh fuck, I guess, I guess I'm dead now. This is and- it.
1: If I, this had to come to a, if I had to come to a stop off a parkway, off of after going 50 miles an hour in my Buick, it would shut down completely, and I would have to restart it, and it would take a few tries. Like The amount of times that people went ham on me at the Roosevelt Field exit, or the Source Mall exit, off the fucking <laughs> Meadowbrook, where I'm like, I'm sorry, the car stopped. I'm 17 years old, trying to get it. I just want to go to fucking get free bourbon chicken at the food court, and someone's behind me like, you piece of shit. <laughs> when I got to be When I moved to L.A. was the first time I ever drove a new car in my entire life because I leased a brand new car. And it was like I had lived in New York City for like eight years, so missed all these cars. And then I come out here and I just get a 2013 uh, Jetta as my first car. And I'm just like, holy shit, driving a brand new car. It felt (laughs) insane. I I was like, oh, I'm driving in the Internet. Like I immediately felt... (laughs) I had like only had old cars and also hadn't driven for 10 years. So everything was, I was like, whoa, touch screen. You know, I was like, <laughs> the shit was like so stupid to me.
0: <laughs> so you were, a, you were a lifeguard. I was, I worked for New York state, which meant like I emptied garbage cans. I would go out with the pick stick and pick up garbage on the beach. I would drive that truck that would go down the beach and we'd throw, like, the garbage bags in the back. we That's yeah. the shit that we would do. You guys were, like, the gods to us. We were, like, cleaning the bathrooms. We'd watch you guys. You'd have that little wooden house that you got to hang out in. The shack, baby. The shack. Yeah. We weren't even allowed near the shack. No way. We, like we were absolutely not allowed to go even look at the shack. And it was it was, like, a real... It was a real object of, like, jealousy to look at the shack and like, the fucking shack. Look at the- That's they just jog out, and then they jog out, and then they come back, and they just hang out in the shack.
1: They have TV in there. And they have radio in there. It was such a fucking—I never had status like that in my life, and I got it when I went. <laughs> I got it when I was like 18 and I never have I'll never have that status again, where someone will come up to you where you're sitting there. I'm 19 sitting there in a speedo and someone's like, excuse me, Mr. Lifeguard. I, like an adult woman is like, I have some questions and I'm like, they have no idea that I'm fucking like, you know, I was like pissed my bed last night, like wasted. <laughs> like, and now I got to, and all of a sudden I've just like all this weird stat and it goes to your head. The lifeguards think they're like fucking Navy oh, yeah, SEALs. Yeah. yeah like <laughs> You don't need
0: to tell you, but let me tell you, you don't need to tell me that the lifeguards absolutely thought they were fucking Navy SEALs. You'd see them like after like a helicopter, they'd, you know, they, I would say like once a week, maybe twice a month, There'd be somebody who got fucked up bad enough by either like boogie boarding. they like crunched their back boogie boarding or a riptide, which was legitimately a, a big problem out there that they'd have to land like the helicopter on the, on the beach and then and drag them out. and you'd see you'd see the lifeguards after that and they'd be just like, yeah, what's up? Save the life again., yeah. I guess we saved the life again.
1: We love nothing more than like uh, standing around with like our whistle on our bicep and our fucking Speedos, sunglasses, nothing else, being like, that was a hairy one. We better watch the fucking suck off of stand number S3. You know, we would just be like, Three West is off, is popping off today. Let's get some fucking vets out there. Like, we loved it so fucking much. And, I truly is the best job I've ever had to date. And I've since been on television and get paid to smoke weed every once in a while. And I'm like still lifeguarding making fucking like 1585 an hour when I'm like 17 in 1999 is unreal. Not
0: only that, but then you get like, if you work 4th of July, now you're getting the holiday time. And then they always ask you to work over Now you're getting the time and a half. That was like the most money I'd ever seen. My one paycheck would be like, my entire summer salary was you worked 4th of
1: July. Yes. And you'd that, be
0: like, holy shit,
1: I'm rich now. Yeah. Cause that weekend they would just be like, we need everybody on and you're doing 10 hour days and 4th of July. And because it's a state job, it has like some good benefit. Like it has some protections and it's like, Oh, you get paid time and a half on 4th of July Memorial day. And, and because it's a busy day at the beach, they do need all hands on deck. So everyone's yeah. there getting paid time and a half. The vibe is, holy shit, it's going to be a hard day, but. We're fucking making bank. Like I'm fucking 17 and on a on a time and a half day, I'm making like twenty-four dollars an hour. It was incredible to do. it. It was incredible. And the Jones Beach lifeguards get our union, we have three hours off every day. Like you're only in the stand like you're in the stand every other hour. It's not technically off. You're supposed to be training or you're on backup or you're doing shit. But so like you could like do the math where you're like, I'm getting paid $24 an hour today. I'm only in the stand for four. Like you're like, I'm getting paid $50 $50 an hour to be in the stand right now. And then I get an hour off and you're just, you feel like a fucking King. And it, it fucked me up. Even, even the attitude, <laughs> even the attitude of the patrons at the beach, they like, th- there was no disrespect towards the lifeguards. even There's like Zero, zero. Yeah. Cause it was Absolute like, zero. it is, you're at the beach. Like everyone who's a Jones beach guy would always say like, you get paid to go where everyone kills to go on their day off. And it's like, Oh yeah. That's like, you got to have that attitude. It's fucking, we're going to talk more about Long Island. It's not just me. Everyone who listens to this podcast is like, all right, great. He's screaming about lifeguarding again. <laughs> but I will I, say, it's, it's on my mind right now as I like reevaluate like what I'm looking for in a career and a life. And as I haven't been going outside or doing stuff that frequently for the last mm-hmm. few months, I fucking put my email address down on the LA County lifeguards. I'm like, let me, you know, let, me, yeah. let, me yeah. let me know when the next <laughs> test is. I'm 40, I'm going to be 40 years old. I'm like, maybe I'll start lifeguarding. My wife is like, no, you have so many other things you should be doing that with with your time. I'm like, bro, I think it starts at like 18 bucks an hour. (laughs) Here's the thing about, here's the thing about
0: working at the beach. And you know, when I worked there, I I saw shit that I would never imagine seeing. I mean, people fucking in broad daylight, people fucking in the pool, people fucking in the bathhouse pool because like one corner of it, like the sun through the open roof throws one piece of shadow across one corner and pe- and people just act like, Oh, nobody can see us fucking right here in this corner of the pool. Every day you'd see shit like that. Like people having wild
1: fights. Uh, oh, yeah. Crazy, like crazy like, riot fights. Yeah. Like, like I've, I've been involved in like, I'm in a speedo and me and four other lifeguards are like like, beefing with dudes in jeans, drinking Coronas, like, and I'm I'm 19, these dudes are in their 20s, tatted up, Long Island up, you know, fucking traps and everything, screaming at us, and I'm like, are we, are we about to, and, like, of course, we're all 19-year-old hotheads, like, yeah, let's fucking fight these guys on the beach, where it is still Long <laughs> Island, you know, like, I'm still ready to fucking give someone a two-piece on the beach if I have to.
0: <laughs> so, I, I worked at mostly Field Six, which is, like, the most... We're just going to give everybody the download on the on the fields on Jones yeah. Beach. It's Field the family was, beach. It's the family beach, and it was very sought after because you didn't have to, like, uh, you didn't park across the causeway. You parked right at the beach, and you just stepped out. You're on the sand. Shortest
1: so, parking, and also the shortest beach of sand of all of Jones right. Beach, too. So it's, like, from parking lot to water. It's why it's the family beach, because you got to carry 11 boogie boards and, and digging and shit like that. So... That parking lot fills up by like eight AM on the weekend. Eight A.m. Like it's it's a fucking madhouse. Add to that that it's the end of
0: like the of the official beach. So if you just walk like a hundred yards out past the dunes, that's where there's nude sunbathers. That's where there's just all types
1: of stuff going on. That was my first introduction to gay culture, was like being nineteen right and, there. He- and hearing about field nine. Yeah. And I just didn't you know, I, there was a gay bar in Belmar called Pal Joey's, but like, we didn't know anything about it. I knew a couple of gay kids in my high school, but the first I really learned about like a, a bunch of old gay men hang out there and they sunbathe and they, and I'm like, yeah. And like all the fucking, you know, homophobe hetero dudes are like, yeah, yeah you can like see them fucking in the dunes and shit's <laughs> disgusting. It's like, what? Who cares? What? <laughs> We're fucking chicks in the shower here. Like that's like no different. <laughs> so
0: we, that, that, Parking lot filled up quick, and what we we'd add this system where we shut it, you know, we drag like a this like uh, one of those like wooden horses across the the entryway, and then we would count cars until like fifty spots opened up, and then we let fifty in, and then we drag the thing closed again. When you pulled, the, I'd have to, I did this. This was my job a lot. I'd be up there counting cars that came in, radio in, and then tell, and then they'd say, okay, let in fifty. When you pulled that. That wooden barrier closed in front of car 50. Ooh. It was like gonna be maybe a physical fight almost every time, like a coin flip, because people would fucking flip
1: out. Dude,
0: they lose I cannot, it.
1: That is, and of course, that's a job they give to like a fucking high school kid. Yeah, I'm
0: 16 <laughs> years old. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck am I gonna? Like they're and they're going nuts. <laughs> going nuts. <laughs> <laughs> one time they, at one time I was not working at the, at the top that day, but that happened and these dudes jumped out with like machetes and shit and chased the kids back into the back into the, the little like field shack. It was crazy. It was just a madhouse
1: there all the time. It, it's, it's so funny you say that because like I went, field six was our beach before I became a lifeguard and eventually worked there, but field six is where I went every day because my I've said this on the pod a hundred times, but my dad worked like three to 11. So every morning he would get up, get us all up at 8 a.m., get us to Jones to field six. And we'd stay there till 1 p.m. Every single day. So I was there seven days a week from like 1994 until, you know, I was there from like (laughs) very frequently from like 88 until 2000, but every day from like, and so I just like, everything you're describing i know about i know about like the vibe <laughs> of the city dudes when they come and you're like oh they're ready uh, they're they didn't come all that way to
0: have you drag the fucking barrier in front of them they're they're ready to go if you yeah. fucking drag that shit in front no, of them. No,
1: we, we drove here from the Bronx. We are not turning our music down. It's like, like you know, like, because that's like, there's no uh, radios on Jones Beach. You're not allowed to have, I mean, that's maybe right. the rules have changed, but you're not allowed to have uh, projected yeah. audio. So a lot of us would be like, hey, can also, can you turn that down? We can't like hear the whistles of the other lifeguards. And People are like. Fuck you, man! It's like yeah, i got gonna fight a you. guy, <laughs> yeah, a dude who's in <laughs> jeans and boots at the beach is gonna kick my fucking ass. <laughs> Another big day was there was like a Greek day
0: that and was uh, was this, that, this was, uh, that was that uh, was like just
1: wild, like cars overturned shit. That was the shit I had never seen anything like that in my life, and it was very confusing to me at the time as a kid because yeah, I'm a dumb little you know sheltered kid. It's called Greek Week or a Greek Day, Greek Week, and and yeah. everyone's black, <laughs> and I was right. like, and I'm like, I don't understand this. Like, I don't like. I thought they were Greek, and then my dad would be like, no, it's like fraternities. And That's, to me, I needed that explained to me as well. But then even for me, my like my na- naivety it was like uh, movies I watched were like white fraternity boys, and I was like, yeah. oh, black people are in fraternities too. And my dad was like, yeah, dude. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And that that I I worked with a dude named I don't want to say his first and last name because who knows yeah. what kind of sketchy shit is up to. But his name was Keith. He looked like Mark Henry the wrestler he was like this big buff strong dude he owned a strip club a restaurant and was a jones beach lifeguard he was a okay. fucking hero amongst men and <laughs> he asked for greek day off every day and there was some sort of pseudo racism in the lifeguard corps yeah, where yeah, it's yeah. like we need black people to work on greek day cuz we need like black people to be able to talk to black people and that was like sort of but he didn't do it because he took the day off every year even though they wanted him to work cuz he would go and sell 40s at like we would like <laughs> see like Greek Greek day was so stressful cuz people would go so crazy they'd get so fucked up and then meanwhile one of our own was like sell, like a lifeguard was like selling alcohol and making way more money than any of us that day it was That's so crazy like cars on the beach i remember being like you can't cars even drive cars on the beach shit you've never seen on long island on jones I, beach before
0: <laughs> i mean i i truly had never seen shit like that um i we i worked with a guy there was a lot of cuz we were uh would like uh I guess there was some kind of like job fair thing where we'd recruit a lot of like uh, kids from the city to come out, and this one uh, guy King, I think he was from he was from Queens, came out, and this dude became my hero. He had this unbelievable scam, so he just did everything that the captain told them to do for like two weeks. Like empty the trash can, you got it. Like pick the all the way to the end of the beach, you got it. Like just. So that everybody got used to the idea that King is just crushing it. Wherever King is right now, he's crushing it. After that, he did that for two weeks. Then he would just go out to field nine and go to sleep in the on the in the dunes. Like after that, he would come in and they'd give assignments out. He'd be like, okay, uh, empty these trash cans over here. You got it. And then just disappear literally all day and go to, I would find him out there and he'd just be like, what's
1: up? I'm like you're a fucking
0: genius. This is incredible. And, and he like
1: set the he set the tone that it's like yeah I'm I'm a hardworking guy and everyone's like yo Kings busted. Where is King? Kings? Busted. Like, he's probably. He's probably doing extra shit. He's busting his balls. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, he's like
0: fucking, I don't know, I saw him pushing the dumpster. Like, this guy's fucking, he's killing it right now.
1: (laughs) It's so fucking awesome. I love shit like that when you find like a small loophole at a weird job and you get to just like, oh shit, if you do this, this, and this, like you can get like an extra hour. Like anything like that, any life hack, I just totally get. And then when you like, get like adults and you meet like union guys who are like on, and no. you find that even when they're 50 year old men, they're doing the same thing. It's like, no, no, no. Say you need a guy to help you with the ladder. That's I love two that guys shit. have to go do it. <laughs> yeah, and then that's... You can have a guy to go bullshit with you. And you're like, Oh genius. I fucking love it.
0: My, my brother is a, uh, is a nurse and he's trying to get, uh, he's my trying brother's to be a nurse, nurse too. <laughs> yeah. And he's trying to, um, he's trying to be a nurse like on, uh, for film shoots and for like Broadway and stuff. Oh, cool. And he was telling me, he's like, First of all, it's great because nothing ever, he's like, it, it's, it's incredible. Nothing ever happens. And you got to sit out there like under the tent for like a certain amount of hours. Like it's all, it's that New York, that whole New York, like here's how you game the system thing is a thing that I kind of miss. Me uh, too. Cause it's like, I miss those kind of conversations where it's like, all right, here's what you do, kid. I'll tell you how to do it.
1: Cause those uh, people I, are just all around you on Long Island. I've said this a lot that Long Island is full of people who treat whatever they do like it's the mafia. Like, truly, like, I know teachers who are like, bro, the trick is if you get a summer school class, you teach that, (laughs) they have to give you time and a half. But it's only a three-week thing, and you have one. And, like, the way they talk about it all is, like, yes, you've managed to ring every last dollar and free minute out of, like, your, this job. <laughs> that is, like, like e- everyone I know is, like, well, the thing about being an HVAC engineer is one year in, you're already making 44K. You know, like, everyone yeah. has... Yeah. And it's, and like, parents talk about the scams that their kids have going on. Like, everyone's oh, comfortable yeah. with that on Long Island. It's like, you know, David's a dentist, but he does still do weekends at his old dental school, and he's getting paid double, and you know, it's like all this shit, and he's like, Dude. he keeps a residence at Hofstra so that he can blah blah, right. and like, you're like, what? Who cares? But it matters so much to the, those people, it and I miss It matters so much,
0: it's like, it's like, so Justin, Justin's got an in, uh, at, at the Welders 99. And I'm telling you, once you get it, once he gets past Journeyman at Welders 99, that's it. You're making 50K. You you're working six hours a day max. You can't stare into the acetylene torch more than two hours at a time. And they take it. It's like all these conversations yeah. that I've had with you. It's like, wait, do, has Justin like has never expressed to me that he wanted to weld?
1: And now <laughs> no, <it's> no. Like, <laughs> Right. And it's like, and they give him a company car and then yeah. he gets, get this. He gets a gas card. And he can't really use it for his own car, but he can drive the van on the weekends if he wants and save himself gas money. That's money in the pocket. Like, that's the way everyone in my family and everyone I know, we always joke that there's a, like a, a network of my mom's friend. Everyone's like, actually, my mom's friend knows a guy over there. Oh, that can yeah, look yeah.
0: <laughs> My This guy that lives down the, the, the street from uh, my mom, I don't want to, I'm going to change his name, but not his nickname. So uh, we call him Mob John. <laughs> he's got a different first name but we literally call him Mob John cuz he's like from Sicily, not a citizen. He's about like 50 something, very racist guy but also like a like nice to you but like we'll just say the most out of pocket shit. My f- mom is friends with him for what whatever weird reason, I'm not sure. Doesn't have any form of like real income that anybody can discern. He says he works in real estate but he's never He's always home and he drives his, he, his wife doesn't drive. He drives her everywhere. And, uh, he just like has a lot of cash on hand. I don't know. Like, that's just a vibe that's out there.
1: There there, there are five people like that on my mom's block, like in, in, in the Wanto, Belmore area. She like the dude who lives across the street from my mom has like a house that now has like had added two stories in the course of like the 10 years. that my mom's yeah. been living there. And this dude, uh, and everyone in the neighborhood knows he bought his house for cash. Like, that's uh, like that's how, like, that's how long I... He bought it. My dad was like, where's a guy like that get cash like that, huh? Yeah. I'm just saying. He has a lot of cash, you know? And it's like, that. this dude now has a hot tub. He has a, like, F-350, oh, yeah. a sports car, a family car, all in this, like... And his house is visibly three times the size of everyone else's. My mom's... Fr- <laughs> My mom's friend around the block owns a construction company and has built like two tiers on top of there. It's like the most long Island shit is to not leave your neighborhood. Is just to like oh, keep yeah. blowing your fucking house up more and more and like repaving the driveway and adding above ground pool and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Absolutely. Like my, uh, my neighbors across the street, it's like, uh, there's just like three generations of the family living in the house. What they do is like, you like dig out the entire basement and that becomes a house. And then you blow it out. You put a whole extension on the top of the house. Now you've got another house on top of the house and you just make your property like this, uh, quickly mushrooming McMansion.
1: Yeah. And I think part of that is how expensive property taxes on Long oh, Island yeah, where crazy. people are like, got- I'm not moving to Manhattan. I'm not moving to Brentwood cause I can afford it now. I'd rather just stack another fucking thing on top of my house. And then also on Long Island too, it's, you you have way more connections. Everyone has way more connections in the contracting world. Where it's like, <laughs> yeah. bro, my cousin Ronnie will put a whole fucking second floor on the house. He says for six yeah. G's. You know, it's like, wait, no, no, oh, that's yeah. like, that can't be good.
0: <laughs> that was uh, one of my summer jobs. Was my next door neighbor at like a contracting company, and he was like, you want to, hey, uh, you want to make some extra money? I'll pay in cash. Uh, and I was I'd set tile for a summer. I didn't know what the how the fuck to set tile, but I was like
1: setting tile for a summer. And you did a great job. My uncle was a landscape. He owns his own landscaping company. I worked for them in the summers before I became a lifeguard, you know, blowing leaves or whatever. Uh, And then eventually, he, like, started doing construction in the winter. And my uncle... God bless him. Nice guy. Hard worker. Never did construction before this, but he would still hire me for like a cash payment (laughs) and be like, all right, we got to sheetrock all these walls. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. He's like, yeah, dude, me neither. We'll figure it out. I'm like putting the fucking whole walls in in a dude's house. It's like, we're going to fucking drop the ball here. (laughs) Winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. At my bookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long rejoice the nfl has returned who can't tell you what that means to me but that means action packed sundays and huge cash prizes for you get in on the action use promo code mighty and double your first deposit new players get up to a thousand dollars in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code MIGHTY and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. And remember, MIGHTY lets you double your first deposit. ABC CBD. Feels baby hit me right in the feels F E A L S premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep what does CBD do come on it's feels it naturally helps reduce stress anxiety pain and sleeplessness all you got to do is place a few drops of feels under your tongue and you feel the difference within minutes uh are you new to CBD well guess what feels has a CBD hotline to help guide you through your personal experience I, on the other hand, like to take a few drops before bed paired with some THC tincture and then a few drops in the morning uh, before I have my cold brew. I find that it helps reduce stress and uh, helps me go to sleep. And I'm not positive exactly how the science of that works, but for me, that's all I can tell you. There's no high, there's no hangover, there's no addiction, and it's a membership. So you join the community and you get feels delivered to your door every month. You save some money on every order and you can pause or cancel any time. So uh, become a member and get 50% off your first order. So do yourself a favor. Uh, Go to feels.com slash mighty and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. If you're not even sure how CBD works, you could use call the CBD hotline and it'll help guide your personal experience. So, uh, feels has me feeling my best every day and it can help you too. become a member today by going to feels.com slash mighty, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F E A L S.com slash mighty to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping feels.com slash mighty. I
0: have to read you this letter that uh, my girlfriend wrote. It's a platonic letter. She's a huge fan of yours. Oh. <laughs> um, let me know where I should read it. I if I, if I should read it now or read it at the end, but I got to, I, I have to let, read let, it. Let's, let's read it now. This is uh... <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, Hi, Gabrus. You don't know me, but you are one of my best pals. I listen to more hours of your podcast than probably anyone. And I think you are a delight. Thank you for making trips to Long Island with Jason. Exciting. We get to ride the Long Island Railroad and hear all the stuff. Massapequa, Massapequa Park. Uh, <laughs> fuck yeah. We get to visit the beach from Gabrus's glory days as a lifeguard. I'm in. I can't wait to go to my hero. We tried to go last time, but we didn't, we didn't have the chance. Also, thank you for making me seem interesting. I've picked up fun facts from your pods that I pepper into conversation to seem cool. The post-game drinking rituals of rugby players. The best way to make <laughs> garlic bread. How many people in Hollywood share the same birthday? That was fascinating to me as well. And what happens when you drink too much at Oktoberfest? Schlude. Your friend <laughs> and shithead, Christina.
1: Wow. Holy yeah. shit. Christi- oh, man. This really... Man- I feel weirdly like a podcast cook in a way, knowing that <laughs> <laughs> Not Knowing that you are a, her boyfriend is also a podcaster. A
0: <laughs> I, when I told her, I was like, yeah, I've been trying to go on uh, Gay Roses Pub. She's like, what? Ask him about this. Ask him about rugby. Talk to him about this. Now, his mom calls him Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's so amazing. Well, tell her I said thank you for listening. That means so much. And when this is all over, if the the three of us, four of us, my wife should come, uh, get to go to all Long Long Island together, I think it'll be a dream come true. Let's go down to Field 6 and see how the brown shirts, how the tan shirts, and how the lifeguards are doing down there. I can't wait to go back to Field 6. We actually did. We
0: were out there in February before all this happened, and we drove down there just to hang out. And I was actually... Shocked at the amount of people that are down in Field Six in the middle of the wintertime just walking around.
1: Dude, yeah, it's, me and a friend used to drive down to Jones Beach, and he had like a DVD player in his car, and we would just like <laughs> watch Step Brothers and smoke weed like at the beach in his car in the middle of winter. Just be like, oh, we can go park there, and like it's no, no one's gonna bust our balls and be like, and have that little in dash DVD player. And be like, let's <laughs> hang out, and watch a movie. We like let a car run for ninety minutes in a parking lot. <laughs> so oh, you gotta let it up. run.
0: I mean, so much of, so much of Long Island, my Long Island experience was like, where can we, what is a parking lot where we can hang out? Like, wh- is it the Seven Eleven? Is it the high school? Like, where are we going that we can just literally hang out for four hours at a clip? Let's talk
1: about this. Cause I, I, I thought it was like a very, I, it might be a more universal thing than I think of, but like, it was yeah. so, it might be generational too. Like, I think, yeah, it might we, be, I think I, like we're around the same age and we're probably the yeah. last generation whose parents were like, yeah, just come home whenever like just leave for eight hours please like you know yeah I think nowadays everyone's like where are you like but we used to go Martin Avenue was like a special needs school I'm not sure what the right term is but like a, a school for the learning uh, of the people who l- learn different uh, th- it was a school that was often empty at night we partied there we partied at our high school we would hang out in the Seven Eleven parking lot on, Meric- on uh, Newbridge Road doing hey mister trying to get someone to buy us beer and then because like no one hung out at our houses like no one had like a house where parents were gone ever at this age, but lots of bringing a 12 pack or tall boys or forties to a fucking park or a yard or a empty lot or an area in Freeport. We called the industrial area. Like it would just be like where there's (laughs) like like six factories. It's like we can go stand by the factories. No one ever bothers us there. And it was like just a weird time in my life where it was like every Friday and Saturday night for like, I don't know, four years I drank outside no matter what the weather was.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what we would do. There, there was, our spots were uh, the Seven Eleven on Hempstead Turnpike. Well, then yeah, what, ta- was, what,
1: town are you, what town did you grow up in? Where are you from?
0: So I grew up in Bethpage, but it was culturally Levittown, is what I tell people. Cause it's like <laughs>
1: basically like
0: Levittown was like the famous town from around there. Now, now because of PGA and stuff, like Bethpage is, people know it because there's a golf course over there. Um, but at the but I usually tell people Levittown because that's where my yeah Le- was, Le- Levittown
1: so I, is sort of like the famous like uh, you know attempt at redlining suburbs and giving white people homes, uh, it, uh, homes. And yeah. it, <laughs> at an absolutely successful
0: attempt uh, it worked like gangbusters you got to say like it, it really did uh, congrats to <laughs> all of them who who redlined and separated various towns <laughs> on Long Island and specifically in Nassau County it, they absolutely crushed
1: it. It worked. Let me tell you. Long Island is insane how diverse it is from like, if you look at the County as a whole, but if you drive like neighborhood to neighborhood, it is. Oh my God. I forget. I forget the expression someone used. It's not a melting pot, but it's a tossed salad. It's like, no, you're in the tomato section right now. Like you're in, this is like the black, the black town, not even like neighborhood. It's like, it goes like this is a black town, a Spanish town, white town, Jewish town, I like, and it was just like divided up like that, and I did not know that that was weird for the longest time. Uh,
0: I I think the first time I really realized that it was fucked up was when I I I went for some reason to Garden City. I think I, I I I can't remember why, but Garden City is like just across the road from like Hempstead, which is the which is the black area of of Nassau County right there. There's several Hempstead being one of them. Freeport is another one, but it was like oh. What's it's literally across the
1: street and everything changes. You cross the street.
0: Yeah, uh, Garden, like, Garden oh, city the, has what the like happened here?
1: Hi- it has like Beverly Hills vibe. It has like different coding For laws. Sure. Like they have like weird rules about their high school. So, like, that they, like they can use like they have like a Bosey's high school that they put like low income people in. Uh, but then you they can those. Uh, low-income students are allowed to participate in sports. So Garden City has like the weirdest version of loopholes, where it's like, <laughs> "Yeah, we're an all-white town, but we let the uh, k- kids from the uh, athletes from around let you know." It's so fucked up.
0: It's, uh, it's extreme.
1: It's extremely fucked up. And Levittown, you absolutely
0: feel that energy. A hundred percent, you feel that energy. Like it's like all ex, ex or current cops. A lot of firemen, like people with with those kind of like county jobs who work or city jobs who then were like, the city is too black or brown or whatever. And yeah. you've decided to come to Long Island. And they uh, reacted with uh, animosity when black or brown people would be in the neighborhood. Like that was uh, a very distinct energy of my time on Long Island.
1: Yeah, we're talking about people who if someone moves into the neighborhood, everyone in the neighborhood is comfortable asking, if they're black or like, Oh, yes. so, and so, Oh, guess whose house is for sale? Well, I hope blah, you're like, Whoa. <laughs> well, yeah. Because
0: the first, it's like, I, I don't know how old I was when I started hearing property value, because that was a thing that everybody they care about. two things about. Still. Yeah. They care about two things, the ta- the property taxes and property value. It's my fucking house. Now my fucking house is going to take a hit. What the fuck? I just refinanced my fucking house to buy this boat Now what the fuck is gonna happen to my fucking house?
1: Yeah. And I don't have a problem
0: with it, but if they move in the whole (laughs) neighborhood, what's gonna happen?
1: If this person who's an engineer at Boeing, who happens to be black, moves into my neighborhood they can afford the house in your neighborhood, which means like, like, that's that's the thing that always drove me crazy. I was like, <laughs> we, I grew up in Freeport. I was the like one of the like the 12 white families in like an all-black and Hispanic neighborhood, all black and Hispanic school. And it the the vibe that changed when we moved to an all-white, like I moved th- three towns over Freeport, Baldwin, Merrick, Belmore. I moved to Belmore, and it was yeah. the vibe was insanely different. It's insane. There was like a neighborhood that like six black dudes lived in and they called it little Africa. Like, it's like fucking wild comfortably. Shit. And it's like, <laughs> wait, what? And I was all, it was all new to me. I didn't even realize. And then even like my family being from Freeport, having like this new thing of like not wanting black people to move or Brown people to move into the neighborhood. I'd be like, are you kidding? Like, I don't understand. We, we, we're the same. We lived in the same neighborhood they're moving from. These are old neighbors. How are we like different than them? Except that we look different. And that's what drove me fucking up a wall. Is like, we just did this. They're doing the same thing as us.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's wild. My uh my stepdad, uh during those years, my teenage years is was a NYPD detective, and he'd have his like his squad out like for parties in the backyard in the summertime. And I was like, I heard like slurs that I, I was like, whoa, I'd actually never, that's a new one. Like I've never heard, it's like some weird, like inter, internal, like NYPD slur. That's why like, you know, the stuff that's happening now, it's like, listen, man, I've heard, I've had these guys hanging out my house. It's like wild to listen to people like who have
1: so much antipathy for the people that they police. Dude, it's wild I, shit. It's cr- like, I try to tell people that like the amount of people I know, who are cops like Long Island is very back the blue. Everything is like the best, the best job you can have on Long Island. Anyone who grew up in like the eighties and nineties knows that it's a Suffolk County police officer is the, like you make six figures to start and shit like that. And they, and that's like the highest thing you can aspire to. And I know tons of people who like the, all of my friends who became cops are people that I was like, or like the people I knew that became cops uh, were, all kinds of people. I'm like, oh, really? So when anything, <laughs> when everyone was like, blah, 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 this about the NYPD, I'm like, yeah, no, I 100% believe that because I know in a racist group of people or a, a, a people with the wrong ideas, I should say, because it's not all racist, but yeah. people who have the wrong ideas in that group, often the one with the worst ideas is the one who becomes a cop. And it's like, none of us should be cops. And you expect, oh, you're the one who's, you, okay, uh, never. <laughs>
0: One thousand percent should not be cop, and they like get away with. Uh, I mean, my brother got hit by a uh, by a drunk off duty cop when uh, he was like in junior high school. Got like knocked, like flipped over the front of the car. Was riding his bike, um, and then the, he flashed
1: his tin. The cops let him go. They just let him drive. They let him leave. They let him leave the scene. Yeah, dude. Cops could <laughs> cops on Long Island could get you out of shit that like. They're not involved. Like if they just choose to be like, just let Jason go. Hey, I'm walking by. I'm a cop. I could And like, exactly. they just listen. It's like this weird, like, I mean, yes, it's the thin blue line. We know what, we know what it is, but it's crazy when you benefit from it. Like,
0: it's you know, like, very, it's very, I mean, it's very wild when you benefit from it. I, a couple of times I was like, yeah, my dad is a, my stepdad's a, he's a, in, at Bronx, like precinct, whatever it was. And they'd, and then like make a call I was like who the fuck are you even on the radio with and we got away with shit a couple times nothing bad but like a couple times where it's like yeah they're not hanging like they're, out they're at the they're not you walk
1: yeah exactly yeah. they're like well that was like all we needed it for was like in case you got pulled over or drinking in the schoolyard be like actually yeah. my friend's dad is a cop and he's a like you know and then were you one of those kids whose parent or was a cop or step parent was a cop that let you like you got, you believed you had to get out of jail free card. Cause I had a friend whose dad was like a Lieutenant and he, he drove 90 miles an hour in his Toyota Camry, like everywhere. He like rolled through stop signs, did whatever he wanted. He was like, worst case scenario. I just say like, my dad is this police captain or whatever. And it's like, that's so awful.
0: (laughs) We didn't have it. It wasn't like to that level, but I, my stepdad was like, gave my mom his like PBA shield. He's like, if anything happens, you get any trouble, you just flash this, you tell him who I am. Here's the, here's the little PBA shield. And that's, I was like, Holy shit. Look at this.
1: Yeah. That's some real, that, that feels like (laughs) power when you get, you under, I, I totally understand. Like when, and I, I'm been so anti cop on the podcast lately. I can't imagine why, but, uh, when you're like 10 or 12, being a cop does seem fucking unreal. It's like, I get a gun. You can like, you get to drive fast sirens, the law. It makes total sense. but, I don't understand people who don't grow out of that. The second you're 14 and you're chased out of a fucking football field for drinking with your friends by a cop who's, like, super aggressive and shoves you to the ground or, like, is screaming fuck you or at you while they chase you or whatever. The second that happens, that's when you realize, like, oh, wait a minute. These guys are fucking assholes. We had a well, you know Officer what I- Kruger. We call- I don't know if it was his real name or not. <laughs> but it was this bald white dude, Nassau County PD, who is so fucking hard. And he talked to us like he was a fucking occupying force in Afghanistan. <laughs> like the way, all right, motherfuckers, get on, everyone get out. And We're like, fuck you, man. Like that and that's when you get disillusioned where you're like, oh, well, I'll never do that. And then any of your friends who stick with it, you're like, yeah, that's a problem.
0: <laughs> well, so much of it, like we've been talking about how like everybody on Long Island is running some kind of low-level scam. I, I, honestly, like the PD is kind of that because you know what's the talk you get when when you have a family member that's in the PD or like someone's talking up they're like, listen you you work 15 years, you retire with like half benefits and half your salary you go do I, something else. you got incredible, you got this incredible pension it goes for life anything ever happens to you. like you're good and then you you retire at like 40 you do the, do whatever you want with the rest of your life. And Bro, that's, that's, what the, that's what the appeal is.
1: That's so real. And also, I think, like, we were saying, like, everyone in Long Island thinks they're in the mafia, and the closest I think you can get to, like, the mafia these days is becoming a cop, where it's like, you then are above the law, and people defend yeah. you no matter what. You have a weapon. You know, you have a homeboys that have got your back. It is like La Ca- Casa Nostra. And it makes sense that Long Islanders are drawn to that. I mean, oh yeah, NYPD is, like, a great, great job, whether they're good at it or whatever. Getting that job is a good thing for a person. Like they can make money bad for society, bad for people <laughs> who live in, in New York city. But so I, you see how the appeal is like, but the idea that you live in like Long Island in Levittown and then you work in like the Bronx is it's dangerous wild. to me. Cause it's you're like, wh-
0: yeah, it's especially you hear it. You hear people talk about it. It is like an occupying force. They t- like just really, like, and this is obviously only my personal interaction with my stepdad at his, at his cohort, but they would just like talk about the people they police with like extreme derision. Like, oh, you seem you see, Mer- they're driving Mercedes up there.
1: They're like ripping off welfare. Like, that kind of shit. Like, real yeah. Fox News shit. Yeah. I mean, I've heard cops say things to the effect of like, you know, they say no comprende inglés, but then the second <laughs> you walk away, you hear them speaking English to each other. And you're like, what? Who can And then it's like, <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't be a cop in an all-Spanish neighborhood in New York City if maybe yeah, people you think? who speak Spanish should work <laughs> there. Know, what like do you think? Like maybe. <laughs> like It's like they don't even speak the same language as me. It's like, yeah, no. Imagine how they feel. They don't have a gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a guy you don't understand is standing in your fucking hallway of your building telling you stuff, and he has fucking full sleeves and a gun, and you're supposed to lie <laughs>
0: That's why when I was when I was a kid like when I hit the age where I could be where I could take the Long Island Railroad into the city like by myself I would go as much as I could I loved hanging out in the city and just like being out of that kind of environment for a while and just being somewhere more diverse where it wasn't like, uh, you didn't, you didn't feel like this extreme hostility to like other people. And like, for me, you know, like a, a, a non-white agent yeah, person. You are not yeah, white. <laughs> I am a Filipino person, but it's like you get, when those conversations happen, it's like, it's like you feel like you're being asked to agree with it. And it was just like extremely, Awkward, weird feeling to be like friends with people, or or have uh, my pa- my friends' parents like say shit, just like openly in front of you and be like, "Fuck, I I am not white. I am aware of it. You're treating me like I'm in on this thing. And I'm just like not, you know, like and it's and it was a really shitty feeling. And so like as soon as I could be like, you know, I'm just gonna not hang out here. That's what I would try to do. Is like hang uh, out in the city.
1: I've been talking about this a lot with some Long Island friends and some other like small friends from small towns that ended up in cities that are, you know, I don't know what the, there should be a term for someone where like one person in the family is now liberal and everyone else is the one person who left. There's a vibe. Like I left my hometown. A lot of people didn't. And there's some weird parallel, I think, because Long Island's Long Island has a good example with New York city being maybe a place, one of the most sought after travel destinations for people all over the world, whether it's America, all over, the world, they want to go to New York city. The only people in the world who have no desire to go to New York city are new, are long Islanders. They live a fucking 100%. half hour. Way, and they're like, yeah. we have a, we have a nice restaurant here in town. We got a Chinese food place. Yeah. That's great. We got this. I'm not getting on the train. And then there's a, guy, yeah, a gay guy. Me. There's a guy with his dick hanging out. Like the way they talk about like yeah. every gay dude has their ass hanging out. Every black dude has got a gun <laughs> and they're blowing weed smoke in your face. It's like, dude. And like, Oh, Oh, And then there's something fundamentally different about people and I'm going to just loop lump us together here as I wasn't into the city because of the pace, but the idea of going into the city and being like, they have 400 restaurants. Like they have, oh, you like a movie theater? Well, we have like 11 movie theaters. One is playing art movies. It's like all the shit I liked about Long Island where it wasn't about like, I didn't like Levittown the best. I like the beach and then like all these cool little, and then the fact that we had this curiosity or this desire for something bigger or different that we sought it out in New York city. Like I, I lived back home in Long Island for like 11 months after college. And I, I wanted to do it for as long as possible because I was a PA at VH1. I was making no money, but it was just working in the city and living on Long Island was heartbreaking to me because going into the city where it was, it was all happening, right? You'd be like, it's Dude. All happening. They got these bars. The women are fucking beautiful. I saw a six foot two <laughs> black woman. She like like I never seen that in Long Island. You know, like the things you would see, you'd be like, and just for like a heteronormative boy, it's just like absolute smoke shows everywhere like every everyone's the hottest person ever Do everyone's stylish everyone's interesting the music playing at like oh, you, can yeah. walk down, you can walk down a street and hear 11 different types of music from 11 different bars something you would never hear in long Island and to me I had to move out I had to live off credit card debt I had to be an idiot financially even though I just I still was commuting 40 minutes from Williamsburg to Midtown rather <laughs> than 55 minutes from uh Belmore to Midtown but the fact that I wanted to do that, I think, is what fundamentally change, makes me different than everyone in my family and a lot of my peers from there.
0: Yeah, Long Island is the kind of place where you either stay forever or you know immediately as soon as you become like a conscious person who's like reflects on their own life that you know immediately that you want to leave. I think the most, the, to me, like the, the most emblematic example <laughs> Of that thing that you're talking about, like that kind of like, why would you want to go into the city thing? Uh, that this this feeling that Long Island people have, even though they probably work in the city, is that it, when you go to uh, Penn Station at rush hour to get up back on the Long Island Railroad and, and go back wherever you can, there are you can buy right on the track, like tall like huge cans of fucking beer that are like a foot and a half tall and everybody is just getting shit housed on the way home because they're just like oh my fucking god that whole thing is over now i'm gonna buy two fucking huge tall boys and a in a paper bag and i'm gonna get fucked up on this 45 minute train ride home and that is just like that is <laughs> that is what everybody
1: does yeah, it's great. Like it's great. I I did that commute for a year, working at like it was slightly off hours because it was TV. So I was in a little later than a lot of people and yeah. home way later than a lot of people. But the vibe was always the same. It was like everyone had giant Dunkin' or Starbucks coffees on the ride in, <laughs> yeah. and then giant beers on the way home. I I Roses Pizza and Pasta, one of my favorite places in New York City. It's just right in Penn Station. Yeah, they used to do like you could get like a big gulp. Like like a sixty ounce cup <laughs> of like you can get it with like Sam Adams like they had like eleven beers on tap and like and this is like 4, 03, 04. I would get like a sixty ounce Sam Adams with like a straw in it and it's like unwieldy <laughs> to hold and it's like arguably hot by the time you get to the back half of it but to get that much beer for like four twenty five on the ride it home, unreal. And then you get in your car Unreal. and you're like, your car is a half mile from your house because you live close to the train <laughs> station. But you're like, this is a dangerous drive I'm doing. I'm going like, I'm going a half mile, but I'm too drunk to drive. <laughs> yeah,
0: hey, I remember that when I first started taking those trains, I was like, wait a second. People just, you can just buy like literally right here on the fucking track, like the biggest beer I've ever seen and people just get fucked up. Yeah. Okay.
1: Like, <laughs> all uh, right. We, uh, last April, me and my uh my wife and I were like, we've always wanted to see a Billy Joel concert at MSG. Like, of course, that's like yeah. a Long Island, fucking bingo checkboard. But so my mom had gone. And we talked, and she's like, I'll buy tickets for you guys if you'll like fly in and make a weekend at. And we started like randomly this one weekend we were supposed to be <laughs> in for a wedding and Billy Joel was playing, and we were like, Mom, what about? This is like four months in advance. Like, Mom, what about April? She's like, Yeah. And my wife is like, Oh, we should stay in the city. And I'm like, No. We're staying at my mom's house. She's like, no, we should stay in the city. All our friends live in the city. That's where we met. And I'm like, no, we have to commute into the concert. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, just wait and see. You'll see. And it was a fucking highlight. We're all on the train. We get on the train platform. It's me, my two brothers, everyone's girlfriends or wives, and my mom, just like the seven of us. And all me and both my brothers each separately brought so much fucking alcohol. Like, it like, it's like a 50-minute ride, but my brother was like, I brought a six-pack of beer. I'm like, I made four huge vodka and sodas in like Panera cups that my mom has at the house for whatever reason. And we got fucking gas, and my wife's like, I'm so glad we took the Long Island Railroad. And I go, no, this isn't even why we took it. You'll see why we took it when the concert lets out. And you go from oh, Madison Square Garden with everybody who's at Billy Joel immediately Dude. into Vent Station, immediately onto a train. Everyone is hammered, singing. People have booze for the ro- of wine. <laughs> <Bottle of> red. <laughs> and it Flaps was and of roses. I yeah. said to my wife, I'm like the vibe is going to be unreal <laughs> and it was what Long Island to me in as a nutshell. It felt a little scary, but all in all was just people trying to have fun. But there yes. is that element of fear about, and sorry, we were about this a second ago. I just want to jump back to it. The, whether you want to stay for life or leave immediately upon becoming conscious. I've now like come around to like another level of consciousness where I'm like, I can appreciate Long Island. I have like this weird yeah. distance from it where I'm like, obviously anyone who listens to my podcast or should I do, I talk about it relentlessly. But I've come back to it in a way and now moving to LA helps even more, uh, or hurts even more. Where I'm like, this Long Island FOMO, and the pandemic is hitting even harder. Like now, I associate it with yeah. seeing my family and my nephews, and I just have this like weird pining for Long Island that I'm going through right now.
0: Hey, I'm feeling the same thing now too, because my you know, my godmother uh, and my godfather, who we who uh, lived, in, they lived in the same complex as us in Queens. I mean, I've known them my whole life. They live on Long Island now. My brother lives like eight minutes away from uh my mom and the house we grew up in. He's got a he's got he just had a kid, so I have a nephew. Uh and it it and my mom's <laughs> sending me pictures like literally every day of like them doing stuff. They're in the backyard barbecuing, there's, whatever. There's it's no like all coronavirus. That
1: shit. There's no coronavirus <laughs> on Long Island for some reason, somehow, according to my family. Dude, this is weird. One of my brothers still lives with my mom. Uh he, my other brother does live in Belmore, eight minutes away from my mom with his kids. <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy. And they're all together. My mom has a, uh, all the a time in her yard. And it's like the summer is them taking pictures of my, and I don't even like, I didn't like living there and I get stressed after 48 hours of being there, but I'm craving just going back and like seeing everyone and getting the fuck out of there, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. I know that part of it really sucks. Do you ever think so? Like, uh, we've,
0: both kind of had the same kind of like arc and then you live on long island then you go uh, live in new york for a while now we're in la like uh, you're a person you like are working in entertainment at the at and you know people like who are doing it too like i know people at different levels who are doing it sometimes it's you go back and you're like oh yeah so my friend who's like a he's a producer on this and blah, blah, blah. And then I'll catch myself saying, I'm like, man, what the fuck am I even how did this even happen that I'm saying shit like this? And but at the same time, like it's totally, these are like totally like normal jobs that you would have out here because it's like an industry town. But it just sounds like I'll catch myself from that perspective of like a kid on Long Island. I'll be like, what the fuck am I even talking about right now?
1: I know, dude. I remember when my brother, when I first lived in uh, my second apartment in Brooklyn, when I was living in Red Hook with my wife and my brother's like, I'm like texting with my brother. I'm like, I'm off to go to the cafe. He's like, oh, so you can have Wi-Fi and your lattes. <laughs> and it was like, oh my God, yes. Who have I become? And then like yeah. an hour later, I came back around. I was like, wait a minute, Wi-Fi? You can't mock me for like wireless internet. But that is like the Long Island attitude. It's like, oh, let me guess. You can't have your fucking, you got to go to the cafe to get the internet. And you're like, uh, yeah, wait, no, that's okay. That's city life. Yeah.
0: That's a, that's a, that's another great point. People don't really bust balls out here. Like that feels like a very New York Long Island thing. Is like, but is busting balls. When I was out there with my girlfriend, I was busting my godfather's balls. For, I was busting Freddie's balls, and and then I actually legitimately said, "I'm just busting his balls." And she's like, "I can't believe that. People, one that you just make fun of each other, and two that like you just used sincerely used the term busting his balls." Like yeah, let's we bust
1: each other's balls out here. That's cr- this is what I said to my uh wife the other day. I'm like, I think everyone on Long Island is 10% funny or higher. I mean, they are obviously like right. we got Eddie Murphy, Seinfeld, John Gabriel, yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of very funny people coming out of there, but I think every there's an attitude on Long Island where you kind of have to have a thick skin no matter what because everyone like you you know like somebody'll say like, "Hey, nice haircut to you." Like as a roast in a, like a fucking deli, like someone you don't know might yeah. be like, yeah, oh, cool, ba- cool bandana, dude. And you're like, Hey, wait, what? And you're like, Oh, it's just like the life of Long Island is like, you have to be a little tough. My family is relentless with each other. And when my wife first experienced it, when she first, she was like, you guys are brutal to your mom. And I'm like, no, she's the best man. She takes it so hard. My mom is like the most self deprecating and, can take so much shit just because she grew up with four <laughs> boys and then a man around her who was just like relentless. And that's just what I grew up in. And the vibe is different out here. I feel like that's I it. offend people in conversations so frequently. I'm like, what the fuck is that hat, dude? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> and then, oh sorry, you've seen I thought you knew it was weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. Like you really got to, I, this is so, uh, the first time I was like, okay, I'm in, I'm in a different, this is a different energy. I was my first New Year's here in LA. I was at my uh, my manager's house. He's like, yeah, hey, come over. You like new in town? So, uh, and we're watching the ball drop, and some commercial for a movie comes on. I forget what it was, and I'm about to like be like, this look, look at this fucking piece of shit. And before I could get it out, I hear like the like tapping on the on the, on the side of the champagne glass. Hey everybody! This is Molly's. That's Molly's movie coming out. Uh, in the she just produced, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> wow! Oh, <yeah>. I almost <laughs> fucked that up." <laughs> Whoa! Okay. Uh,
1: <laughs> I mean, I. The thing you have to—I've co- created an environment around myself where everyone is just like, "That's Gabris; he's a ball," but like that way, I have that like <laughs> escape clause for when I eventually go like, "All right, uh, nice try, Book Smart or whatever." It's like I actually yeah, right am it. the writer of Booksmart. You're right. Like, it got it. Sorry. Yes. Right. Sorry.
0: <laughs> yep. Uh, I love the uh, I love the emotional uh, bond between the uh, two main characters. That was really well done. Uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, w- ball busting is a thing. I mean, I feel like also. Again, it might be a generational thing because bullying hit so hard and like Yeah, that's true. I feel like ball busting was a weird defense mechanism to like train you for bullying and like I think that's kind of like low key what my dad might have been doing by bus Like I was never I mean, I was bullied at school, but it never uh, hurt me because my dad was the meanest and the funniest. Like he would just like absolutely was a legendary ball buster where my friends all loved him and I hated him. Like, that's like the perfect example of a ball buster is like, I hate this fucking guy. And my friends would be like, your dad's hysterical. It's like, I don't think he's funny when he's making fun of me. Like, but your friends love that shit. And
0: it's like, it's a survival mechanism for real. It absolutely is. Like I, you know, like as the, as I think there was like two other Asian kids in my class and maybe and like one, uh, there's, like, one black kid and a couple of Latino kids. But that was pretty much, like, Irish, Italian, and Jewish kids. Yeah. Um, and So we got, you know, you just got bullied. And, like, you had to be able to really, like, handle the shit. It's like now when people are, like, you know, like, how many times have I heard, like, the fucking Chinese eyes thing? It doesn't even, that shit, I don't care about it. Like, yeah, I had to be able to, like, really roast back. And then people would be, like, is ah, <laughs> hey,
1: this fucking kid's hilarious. Then they leave you alone. Yeah
0: you right. know what I mean like that's that's how you got through it
1: it's that weird I I, I certainly experienced like a lot of elements of my life were this where it's like whether it was Long Island uh, playing sports or doing Wild and Out like the level of race racial shit was always like <laughs> yeah. you would like say to Tim De La Ghetto's yeah. face like this fucking Asian motherfucker you know or whatever yeah. some and then he would be like yeah and then hit you back with like so, you know some fucking ramen reference and you, you'd both laugh and it's like <laughs> That vibe is gone from society. Like it, that is not That's gone. Does not
0: exist now. The other yeah. thing is like, so you know, like I I'm Filipino and so I, I didn't even have the 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 benefit of being like a famous Asian nationality. Like nobody knew what the fuck that was at the time. Like I'd say that I'd be like, what? You were just Chinese. Like people right, just, right. like they've like, that's it. They're the yeah, we kids Chinese. Yeah.
1: Yeah, in 90s and we it. weren't saying asian yet either it was just like he's chinese we weren't even saying like asian american chinese american <laughs> filipino it <laughs> was just like this dude is Chinese. It's like, actually, I think he's Mexican. It's like, you know, like, I feel like Filipino kids in my school would be, people would be like, is he Spanish or Chinese? And it would be like, yo, I'm neither, dude. Like, come on. Like, like, just asking the most, I'm not from Spain or China. I'm from, uh, I'm from Bethpage. I am, like, I'm born here. That was like, always the craziest fucking, that, we had a dude, my friend was half Asian and it's, all we talked about to him, like, like all we, like anytime he was around was just like the fact that his mom was Chinese was like so crazy to us. Like just like, I mean, it would be like, this is how, in our friend group, we had like a black friend and a Spanish friend, but like, the half Chinese guy was the craziest. <laughs> like we couldn't, like we couldn't wrap our heads. Like it's like mystical to us. We could, like, and it, it, it's so offensive in hindsight. Like it was not from hatred, but from genuine curiosity it's, and love. Just like, we curi- just- that's
0: that was the energy. I think, like, I so I took like Taekwondo when I was a kid for a couple of years, and I legitimately Same. think I did it because it was like people were just asking me if I knew martial, like if I knew kung fu all the time. I was like, fuck, I guess I got to... When my mom was like, "Oh, there's a Taekwondo place opened. Parks Taekwondo opened up down the street." I was like, "Yeah, let's fucking do it. Whatever." Like, I people are asking me all the time. I might as well learn how to do
1: it. I guess. I took I took Taekwondo in Freeport from a, like sixty year old uh, ex Marine who learned Taekwondo after he stayed (laughs) in Korea after the Korean War. (laughs) Just a guy who has USMC, the United States Marine Corps, tattooed on his knuckles is teaching you like, all right, front kick. And he's like this old Ginzo. It was like the most Long Island shit ever. He's like this old Ginzo with a Korean flag in his garage. And he like had a carpet down. And and me and my dad and my brother all took my dad took the adult classes and my brother and I took the kid classes out of this dude's garage. That's how like, yo, that's that's the most Long Island 90s shit ever, by the way, because Karate Studios was huge in the 90s, especially Show in the suburbs. Fucking
0: gigantic, dude. If you go through the huge. valley
1: now, they're like the, fucking obviously this is where Karate kill, Kid takes place because yeah. there's a do- there's a dojo or a martial arts supply store like every three blocks in the valley.
0: <laughs> yeah. Taekwondo was like for some reason just blew up when I was a kid. There's, uh, I went to this guy. I think his name was like Chohan Park. He was like the uh, the U.S. Taekwondo Olympic team coach.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, he had parks. They're like Tiger Showmans and parks were the Tiger two Showmans big- Tiger Showmans and like... parks. And
0: and that was just, that was like a, that was an absolutely huge thing. Getting the belt, freaking getting the breaking the boards. We were like, oh shit, I'm doing it now.
1: Yeah, yeah. and then, uh, had, did this ever happen to you? Like I was like a, like brown belt in Taekwondo. And then you get, I got like the shit kicked out of me at school. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, and I was like, just my, like just a dude who developed like, uh, you know, one year ahead of me and had like belly hair and fucking muscles. He like whips my fucking ass in the hallway. And I'm like, I don't know about Taekwondo. I might even be too scared just to be like in fist fights. <laughs> I got in a, I got
0: in a fight like mid, mid my career of Taekwondo. We had like this vacant lot. We called the cornfield. that was like next to our school. And that's where all the fights would take place. And I got to fight. And it was like, there was a split second where I'm like going through all, okay, like a block with this. And then, I, and then it's just like, I don't know, it, it, time just sped up. I was like, I don't have time. I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep flailing away. I don't know what I'm doing. All the moves are
1: gone. None of this yes. shit works. Like it's just It's like you're, just, you're going full, like you're playing a uh, button mash Tekken or whatever. You know, yeah. you're just like, you're like, you're just like throwing one punch over yeah, the you know, like, This might
0: win. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like oh, doing anything like I legitimately started crying in the middle of it. It was like, oh, I don't dude. know what the fuck is happening. I,
1: I've been in so I've been in like, this is something that's different for a lot of people too. It's like, I got into the New York comedy scene in like my early to mid twenties and met a lot of like theatery type kids and kids from all different <laughs> places who had never been in a fist fight before. And I was like, Oh, was like your school different? Like. Cause like <laughs> most kids in my school had been in a fight, like like oh yeah, we, and like you saying the cornfield where the fights were is the most real shit ever. We had like the ashtray in high in junior high <laughs> was where you would either go to smoke cigarettes or fight, and it was like just like this little hole in the fence where you'd go in and be like yeah yeah that same Concepcion, same exact
0: vibe same exact. Concepcion
1: and Gabrus are supposed to fight at three. It's like let's go watch or jump it, in if we're friends with one of the yeah. guys. Like and I I've. Been in so many fights. A few where I've won, a plenty where I've gotten my ass kicked. Plenty where nothing really happened. But I would say I cry in ninety percent of them, even when I win. You cry. Like there's something about just being fifteen and getting hit in the nose, or the anxiety and stress of getting to that level. It comes out of nowhere. Like you just really
0: can't stop it. Like I. So I've been in in a couple fights. Uh, one where I like won. no one was around, of course, like no one, it was just like some kid said some racial shit to me and we fought night. I feel like I won. He might have a different, but I really feel like I won. And He's then definitely a couple on a in different the, podcast saying he won, but like, that's <laughs> yeah. fine. Yeah. And then a couple in the cornfields where it was like the same thing. Nobody really like we grappled around with each other. A couple shots got got landed, but mostly it was just like two kids like holding on to each other's sweaters and and stuff and right, until people right. would break us up. But in every single, every single time I cried. And but you don't know yeah. you're doing it at the time. I was just like fucking ah, ah, yeah.
1: like that, making well, we yeah. that kind of sound. It's like adrenaline. In hindsight, yeah. you're just going full on adrenaline on your little 15 year old body that's like Barely able to handle looking at a girl in class without fucking, uh, you know, popping a popping wood. And now you're like, I'm ready for combat. <laughs> like so, <and laughs> when you're in high school, when you're in high school, that that testosterone be hitting different oh, for it's... all different. Yeah, like one dude you're standing next to is like, I has a mustache and a deep voice, and you're like, I have a cups. You're gonna fucking put the fucking work to me. I can't do ah uh, push up. You have like yeah. chest hair. I'm gonna get fucking annihilated here.
0: You're like we're twelve. You're smoking and have a mu- and have a full on fucking mustache and can buy yeah. beer. The
1: other and thing, the rumor, like yeah, the rumor is you like fucked a high school senior. You know, like there was always that kid. Oh my kid god! And, like, yeah, there <laughs> like, was that always dude that fucked like my aunt. Yeah.
0: <laughs> There was like a fucking wild. I remember the wild rumors we had when ki- when we were kids. It was like, oh dude, they went in a, a fucking one of them uh, crazy ones was like, oh dude, uh, three girls gave him a handjob in in a treehouse. I was like, why? Wait, what? <laughs> like one after another, he like he shot his load on their tits in the in the treehouse. All of them, all three of them. I'm like, wait, what? How did? How is that fucking possible? Fucking uh, Danny!
1: Danny went into the city and he fucked a stripper. I'm like, come on, that what? That, uh, <laughs> that to go back to Booksmart for a second, that moment when they, call, you know, why they call me Triple A, right? It's like, and she's like, well, yeah, blah blah. You, she's like, no, it's like I can only hook up in my car. I live like with my dad, like <laughs> yeah. and like all the shit, and it's like. I just remember so much shit. Like we called this one girl Rainbow because allegedly she would put on different colors of lipstick to see how far. Of, uh, oh my god, this mouth. shit is a yeah. snake. Like, and we were so brutal to women based on rumors that we definitely yes. created. Like, oh, she stuffs her bra, so we would like fake blow our nose and sneeze whenever she was like giving a presentation. We're like, oh, that's so fuck. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. this, we were terrible. We were off. A kid who went to our school shit his pants when he was a freshman in school, we screamed at him for his four years of school, everywhere he went like shit your pants, bro. His mom was a hall monitor. He graduated. And my brother said he's, my brothers are younger. My brother said they still make fun of the hall monitor for, for her kid (laughs) shitting his pants like six years ago or whatever. It's like, that's how (laughs) fucked up high school kids are.
0: (laughs) It, it, It was,
1: it was absolutely brutal. Shit would
0: stay with you forever. And if you had a funny name, uh that was it like it was yeah. just, it was the shit that was your nickname and that was what you lived with literally like for fucking eight straight years from like late grade school through middle school all the way to high school unless you fucking switched schools like that
1: shit just yeah. stuck we're talking to Concepcion and gay bris so i i was called gay boy by my teachers dude <laughs> Like they were literally like, I'd raise my hand in class to be like gay boy. Like that was my nickname on football. And like the coaches were also teachers. So it was just like, it spread and gay, gay garbage, grab ass garbage. Like all these nicknames were, and the joke I make now is like, I was, I was becoming one of two things at that moment, a comedian or a school shooter. I chose. comedian. <laughs> thank fucking God.
0: <laughs> my school was brutal. I, I remember we'd have like, uh, we'd have substitutes sometimes and it would just be like, it It was like lions circling like on the, on the Serengeti looking for a weakness. It's like, can we break this person within the first hour of like, whatever, just like throwing shit at them tax on their chairs. I
1: remember one Test, time testing the, like, the limits immediately, right? Like immediately, finding out the boundaries immediately. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Immediately. There was uh one of our English teachers like <laughs> sent a kid out and He slammed the door and, like, the PA, you know, like, the thing that the announcements would come out of, like, came off the wall and hit her in the head and knocked her out. Fucking whole class started cheering. And I think about it now. I'm like, yo, what the fuck were we doing? But people were like, wah!
1: Yeah! it, it, It was just nuts. The idea that high school, for some reason... I, like I have such a soft spot in my heart for teachers now, oh but the God, fact for, when for I was real. in high school, it was us versus them, right? It, it was felt savage. Like, it was like we have to, we can't let her have power over us. It's like wait, no, we have to just listen for forty minutes. Is all no, we have to rip up the tiles in the back of the classroom <laughs> every time she turns around and throw them out the window. That was something we did in this one class. Was like systematically rip up the tiles whenever the teacher wasn't looking and throw them out. And so we had taken up like forty of the tiles and. Even the teacher was like, why did you guys do this? And we were like... Yeah, right. I don't know. I don't know. You should have been watching us the whole time. It's like... (laughs) I
0: I, I feel the same way. It's like whatever... Listen, teachers should make like four times what they're making right now. They have one of the hardest jobs out there, and it's an absolutely vital job, but we were so mean. We had this... There was a... uh, There was, like, a water fountain in the back of one of the classrooms that, for some reason, like, some fucking fluke of the plumbing, like, you'd you'd turn it on. It was on one side of the room. It would shoot up, hit the roof tiles, and then go all the way to the other side of the room and hit the windows. And every time the teacher would turn around, somebody would go back there and just, like, (laughs) like spray it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, that shit makes me so fucking happy. I just, like, that shit, we, we, uh, it, this is not even about Long Island. I'm sure most schools do this, but there's, like, a level yes. of, like, proud scumbaggery that comes out. I think that, I think that might be true for a lot of, like, major city suburbs. Yeah. I feel like I, a lot I, of the guys I know who grew up outside of Boston uh, have, like, a similar vibe where it's sort of, like, it's, like, we're proud that we're scumbags, but we're, like, you know, intelligent scumbags i can't really <laughs> articulate what it is it's like yeah. we're like empathetic scumbags is maybe like the answer <laughs> like the pride you have of like bro i fucking took a dump in the potted plant at this girl's party in high school it's like oh my why God. are you proud of that like that shit... did you guys do you remember like when you got to go to a house party instead of like fucking drinking at martin avenue or the fucking sump or whatever like the moment you get to do something <sighs> like that and you're like, holy shit! If this this is the future. And then you go to college, and you're like, holy shit! I can like go to bars and like drink in my own house. Holy shit! You know what? It took
0: me a, a while to realize that people don't know what sumps are. Like, I, a sump is just a thing you grow up with on Long Island. So the sump, for people who don't know, it's like just a huge hole in the ground that's like a for a drainage ditch for like rainwater. Yeah, and I don't fully it,
1: understand how it works, but every I don't know town, how it works. Has a fenced-off hole where you hide pornography, lighters, and sometimes do fist fights with your friends. We would
0: set fires. We would hang out in there. We would absolutely hide porn mags, like, under logs. It was like a a two-and-a-half, three-acre lot that's just a hole. Um, And I I would tell people about it, like, when I was in college and stuff, I'd be like, oh, the sump. We were hanging on the sump. We'd be like, what the fuck is a a sump? What is a sump?
1: Yeah, I didn't know it was a Long Island-only thing or, like, I guess maybe because we have a low sea level, we need something like that, yeah. right? Like,
0: I <laughs> Thank you for bringing it to a scientific level because I literally
1: am still I couldn't guess why because I'm yeah. like, that's the only guess is that it's an island that floods easily, so they need yeah. to blah, blah, blah or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Who fucking knows? Um, before we get out of here, do you have yeah. – like I want to just run through some favorites. Do you have like a favorite Long Island restaurant or deli or pizza place, well, whatever absolutely. it might be?
0: I think my the my favorite place to just buy meats on online Swan Prime Meat. It's on oh. uh, it's on Wanta Avenue. It's the place we've been going since I was a little kid. They have those like uh, Italian sausage rolls that come in the big roll and you wrap with it the up in the wax paper with, paper the, with, the, with the one the tooth, dowel the two, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, I love that the pinwheel, the sausage pinwheel, the yeah, sausage
0: pinwheel. Throw that thing on the on the on the grill in the summertime, and that's like the that is the
1: smell of summer to me. Oh, fuck. Yeah, dude. I love that. Yeah, we had uh, Ivoroni Brothers, I think was our big like meat market slash like get your cool expensive Italian shit from there. But I always talk about my hero on Jerusalem Avenue in Merrick is like one of the best delis I've ever been to. I'm sure you and you've heard about it from your girlfriend. Yeah, but uh, I do miss the beaches. Long Island having that many beaches and I've been all over the world. I've been to, you know, New Zealand and the Bahamas Mm -hmm. and been all these fancy beaches and they're all beautiful for different reasons. But there's something about Long Island beaches where the water is dark, like you can't yeah, it's like, green, yeah. dark green, gray, yeah. black. Yeah, it doesn't. It's because we have dark sand, which I think is like not a lot of people understand. So like, it's hard to see. But it there's something about the Long Island beaches where they still feel like they're for. I mean, as you go out further out east, they start to feel yeah. more and more exclusive. But they still feel like they're for everybody, despite fucking uh, Moses's, you know, attempts at making the bridges too low for buses right. and shit like that, and all that fucking Robert Moses racist fucking architecture shit. Yeah. It still feels like the beach is for everybody on Long Island. It's still 8 to $12 to get a car in there. Buses still drop people off at Field 4. And, like, it's... There's something about it, those beaches when you go there it's like there are families there it isn't about influencers it isn't a bunch of people taking fo- like i mean maybe it is now it is 2020 but it's just the vibe is different there and i, I miss that i miss that beach Yeah vibe. you're so right it's it is really a, men- a melting pot like LA beaches maybe like
0: long beach is kind of like that i don't know but like yeah, there's something yeah, about maybe. the fact that there's something about the fact that you could be like in queens or whatever and jump on a train and then from there jump on a bus and all of a sudden be at this incredible beach with like tens of thousands of people from Long Island and New York. It really is like a real melting pot feel that you, it's hard to recreate Coney Island kind of,
1: but like Long Island is uh, Long Island beaches are incredible. Coney Island kind of, but I think the thing Long Island has is like the, uh, there's something about standing on, uh, the standing on Jones beach or any of the South shore beaches And if you look to your left and your right, there's hardly even any jetties or any construction. So it is just... And then you're looking just like off the southern... There's not even anything visible south like of you. So there's this weird like you know you're on an island you know you're a half hour from New York City but there's something about being on the end of the world at that beach because it doesn't bend in because of the like the layout it's so fucking parallel it's so straight that there's no cove you don't look to your right like sometimes in Malibu you'll like look to your right and you can see like the town right there's a or or a pier or something in Jones Beach it's like if you go out like a hundred feet, there's nothing to your left or right for miles and miles and miles, which is and just And people a wild still make field. it
0: and people still make a day of it. Like here it's like if you go to the beach, you go to the beach for a couple hours, you come back. There, when you go to the beach, like people go like they're going to war with like four like four coolers of shit, all the furniture, a tent, three different umbrellas. Like they're uh, fucking the super soakers. They're like ready to do the shit and they're ready to be out there for 12 hours.
1: And I think that has a lot to do with like uh SoCal versus Northeast weather where it's like you have your summer and then even your summer is not all nice days. Cause you get rain and then yeah. you have work days. So then you have like maybe, you know, 12 days a year that line up that it's nice weather and you're off or whatever. So you got to squeeze in like, you're like, get the boogie board, get the Corona's. We're going to yeah. grill. We're going to make sandwiches. We're going to have breakfast, lunch and dinner at the beach. You know what I mean? Like bring the radio. <laughs> We're going to listen to the Yankee game. We're Absolutely. Like, you know, like, it's like we have, get all the kids, invite the cousins. Like it's like, gotta be 40. Cause like you're dedicating this Saturday to the beach and you're going to get up at seven. You're going to get there by eight. You're going to leave at dark. Oh, like you got to get, you got to get up early. If you want one, a spot like near the
0: water and two like a good parking spot where you don't have to drag 500 pounds of stuff a half mile to the beach. You just got to right, yeah. get up early. You're getting up crack of dawn to do that shit.
1: If you end up going to central mall or a uh, field four or whatever, you got to yeah. take the tunnel and all yeah. that shit. Like if, uh, when field six, the lot is once or twice that, you know, due to some like random delay, we'd be going and like field six would be close. And, because we were only ever going from like 8 a.m. to 1 p.m., my dad would be like, well, and just like turn around if Field 6 is close. <laughs> we like, right, uh, right after we went through, the, just turn around and leave the beach. And this is something we prided ourselves on because once we moved from Freeport, we technically lived like you. We were zip code Wantoa, culturally, Belmore. Um, right. And we lived like just above Sunrise Highway, right near the Wantoa Parkway. So we, we used to time like door to door we could get to like Field Six parking lot in like six or seven minutes from my mom's like driveway. And like that, we prided ourselves on like how close we lived to the beach. And then we would always just try to beat that record. Like I would leave my I, I would leave myself with like 15 minutes of notice to get to work. And I mean, I'm sure the tan shirts had it too. We were punch cards, which was oh, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so the way I would get the way I would get to work is I would uh drive I would take my, before I had my car, I would bike down Wanta Avenue all the way to the park that's there where this, where the, uh, where the bike uh, path starts. And then I would take the bike path all the way down the causeway to the thing. It was like right 12, across. It was like a that's 12 insane. mile bike. It was, it was, it was wild. Like after that summer, I had like muscles in my legs that I've never seen since before again.
1: like, it was just an insane ride. Bro, you just remind me. That's what I. That's what I want to do when I go back home. I want to ride the bike path again. I hadn't done that in forever. I did it like it's a great. Once or it's t- a great ride. It's a great ride, and then it, it lets you in the park at like Wanto Avenue and Merrick Road, where that place. It's called Long Island Cheeseburger, but we called it Cheeseburger Cheeseburger our whole lives because the it had like the word written twice <laughs> yeah, and, and and the yeah. SNL sketch. So we called this place Cheeseburger Cheeseburger, and it, to me, it was like this place that. My mom would be like we're not going to cheeseburger cheeseburger Jonathan get you know shut up or whatever like we're going to get McDonald's or whatever and then when i remember when i was old enough to have my own car i'm like we're going to cheeseburger cheeseburger i went was like absolutely mediumly fine you know and i was like <laughs> i built this up for like 7 years and that was just the beginning of being let down by things i didn't know about for the rest of my life
0: <laughs> dude that was an, it was an that's a fun bike ride i remember one of my friends like had figured out How to sneak into the uh, to Jones Beach Amphitheater through like the swamp, at the like off of the bike path. He was he had figured it out, and he was like, I can't take you because I legitimately don't want too many people to know how to do it. But then he took me one time and I, I, they probably have changed it now. And this has been a number of years. But he would like leave his bike at a certain area, go through like this legitimate sWAT. Like he'd, he'd put on like a like rain gear and stuff because there's a thorns and you're going through like all this like nettles. And and then he would hop a wall that would basically be like where concessions is. And then he would just like quick change and act like he was like working concessions and walk through and he'd be in.
1: Oh, it was this unbelievable great. scam. That's awesome. I'll tell you, the the best version of that was working at uh, Jones Beach when a cool concert was in. If you had friends that worked at the Zach's Bay Beach, which is that bay right next to the amphitheater, Mm -hmm. they'd be like, "Gabris, come on over. We're going out on kayaks with beers like after the beach is closed. And you would be able to get close enough to hear the music, but just be floating in the middle of the ocean fucking slamming beers. It was a fucking, in the middle of the bay. It was a fucking awesome time. This has uh, been a, Thank you for having me on this. This has been incredible. Bro, are you kidding? Thank you for doing this, man. Uh, so I know you have a shit ton of stuff going on, but you also have a new podcast with, uh, with Shay, right? You want to talk a little bit about sure here for called, people to check out the
0: connect. Uh, we, uh, Shay picks a movie. I pick a movie. Then we talk about the theme and the different ways that they connect. And it's been fun. Uh, I hope. Uh, and so check it out.
1: Yeah, that's really fun. Just to give a taste the most recent one was, um, the, uh, movies to not watch on a plane. And it was La Bamba and what, uh, what was world the other, war what, world war Z world war Brad Z. Pitt, yeah, the, yeah. The
0: Brad Pitt, uh, plan B, uh, action zombie apocalypse movie, uh, world war Z in which the, the, the scene in this being, uh, there's a zombie outbreak on the plane. That's like, uh,
1: leaving Israel and it crashes. Oh, great, great fucking scene. Great. And, I, unbelievable scene that movie is kind of low key underrated somehow. I, like, agree. I feel like I, I don't think it gets enough credit. It's, it's really fun. And the idea of shooting a machine gun into a blob of zombies seems appealing as, <laughs> even though I'm scared of guns and all that. Same. <laughs> uh, and you're at, uh, net w three RK on, uh, I'll tag you in all this shit when it comes out. But, Thank you uh, so much, Jason. Thanks for doing this, bud. This was a blast, man. I'm glad we got to catch up and, and, uh, Tell, tell your girlfriend we should. Uh, we'll do a Long Island. We'll take her on a Long Island I tour can't together wait. at some I, point. She's
0: going to be absolutely
1: thrilled. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Johnny. Uh, all right. I appreciate it. Uh, bye, shitheads.
0: That
1: was a headgum podcast.